Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I will be your host. If you would like to learn more about our upcoming live stream yoga classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and or our online yoga studio, please visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Thank you. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. I'm really pleased to introduce a friend of mine, Allie Kaufman. Uh, my wife, Tamara, has known Allie for many years, and so I was lucky, lucky enough to get introduced to Allie. Um, it's been quite a few years now, and um, she has a business called Space of Mind, which is a, a modern schoolhouse. Um, please check her out on her website, which is Find spaceofmind.com. She's located in Delray, but what's kind of cool is she's come up with some social distance summer camp options for children. And um, so let's get started. Allie, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. You're Thanks well- for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, I've, um, I follow you on social media and every time I see you post, I I, I always make sure to to read it because I think you're a really talented writer and you're you're gifted at speaking your mind. So I always appreciate what you write and um and so but so that the listeners can get to know you a little bit. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your company and what you maybe your journey with getting uh, to work with children? Absolutely. Uh, so I started Space of Mind sort of accidentally on purpose, I guess. Um, I was always involved with youth programming, even back when I was a teenager. Um, I spent 17 summers at sleepaway camps, youth grouping, all that stuff. Really had a big formative role in my life. Um, I was never a traditional classroom teacher. I probably would have lasted five minutes in a public school environment. Mm. Um, I'm a little bit much of a rule breaker I think to be in (laughs) that kind of a systematic space Um, but uh, yeah I started Space of Mind after a roundabout journey as you mentioned Tam and I met in a previous lifetime I think when we were both opening cheesecake factories Uh Um, but it's interesting that my my time in the restaurant world was perhaps the most important experience I had in understanding how to launch a schoolhouse, um, wow. which is that when you're in the restaurant, you everything that you put anywhere um, translates to dollars and minutes uh, saved. And, um, and the attitude of everybody who's working is really tied to how much everybody makes at the end of the day. So you've mm. got to leave your bad mood at the door and come in with your best self. Um, and the idea of um, using working memory as a tool to uh, create workflow was, was really key in how the restaurant business works. So everything really came to me um, from a combination of that, that work and also working in the software development field, which was a departure from when I left my restaurant world. Um, and I was, as you mentioned, I, I do like to write. So I was writing... Um, in the corporate communications department for, um, at the time in 2000, when I took this job, the world's largest software development company. And mm. 
so that experience taught me um, how developers think using both sides of their brain about the user experience and then the back end workflow to create that experience. Mm. And, um, and also the value of testing in the development phase. Testing is looked at as a, the most important phase of creating a tool because you're learning what you don't yet know through the test. And I was always working with students throughout all of these jobs, um, you know, whether I was advising youth groups or tutoring or um, after school programming, whatever it was. And so I realized one day looking at that poster of the software development life cycle and testing being the most important and working outside of that job with a student who was dealing with test anxiety, that really the key was, I don't know any teacher who, when a student doesn't do well on the test, says, see me, let me teach this to you before we move on. Mm. You just take your grade and you move on. And then you have a student who's lagging behind Mm -hmm. or feeling badly about themselves. And so teachers aren't using the testing opportunities as a chance to understand their products better, right? Or their clients better. So it was really the restaurant world and the software world that helped me understand the education world and sort of a random story. But when I was a kid, I used to play school. So I think on some level, I just sort of knew this was going to be my destiny. I just, um, you know, it just sort of unfolded. That's cool. That's amazing. That's, it almost seems the way you're explaining it so obvious that that's (laughs) what the testing process could help us to how, how it could help us to become better and appreciate the teacher more versus maybe the anger and the frustration that would come up being kind of ridiculed. Maybe almost, it's almost like a, a maybe. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I can see how that works. That's cool. And, and how have you noticed that the students that you work with are responding to that and how has that evolved in the time you started space of mind, you said the concept is, was 2004, but the, when did you open your doors in Delray? So, um, in 2004, I started as a coaching company and we were working with all kinds of clients, um, hoarders, busy CEOs who have ADD brains like me. Um, but we're struggling to communicate with their type A admins or their uh-huh. teams. Um, I was working with, you know, women who couldn't find things in their clothing closets. And obviously families who were dealing with um, what I came to find to be the problem I was really most passionate about solving, which was school-related stress. Uh-huh. Um, so after focusing on those families, um, primarily after the first couple of years when I was working with all kinds of clients, I really started to pair back and, and focus on the work with you know the families. Mm-hmm. And that led me to understand that there were so many brilliant, creative, amazing kids that just didn't want to go to school. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't grow up like that. I, you know, I was an out of the box kid, but when I was a kid, they took all the, all of us with busy brains and um, they put us in the gifted program. And, you know, we all as adults were diagnosed with, you know, ADD or anxiety or anything on that spectrum. But, when we were kids, we were just told your brain is special and we need to keep feeding it. So you're yeah. going to get this alternative type of education. And these were those same kids that I was working with who were, mm. you know, dealing with that backpack black hole. Like, yeah. I think I did homework. I just don't know where it went. 
um, yeah. or like, you know, I can't remember to write down my homework, so therefore I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and, you know, families, parents have such high expectations and, you know, we've got Edline and all of these software programs that are supposed to help parents understand where their kids are, but if a teacher wasn't updating it in time, then, you know, sometimes it was making a kid look like a liar or just wasn't really helping. So I started to research how homeschooling works um, because I had toured, you know, so many private schools between Miami and Martin County and, um, and lots of schools were saying that they were able to meet the needs of kids who were out of the box learners or who were dealing with stressful situations, like whether it was trauma or I got mono and I missed three weeks of school and now I can't catch up or whatever it was. Yeah. Bullying. Um, these kids were just afraid to go back or yeah. unable to learn in that environment. So in 2010, um, I started the space of mind schoolhouse at the time in my living room. And then in April of 2011, we moved into what is actually Delray's oldest building. It's called the Clark House, and it was built in 1896. Wow. And then this summer, we are officially opening the second building on our campus, um, which we're calling the Hub at Space of Mind. And it's going to be an extension of the schoolhouse, but also a full community center with all of the STEAM activities. Um, oh, my gosh, Allie. Yeah, that's killer. so cool. Congratulations. I know. I mean, just Thank watching you. your your career path grow over the years has been really inspirational. That's awesome. It's so good to see that you're you're able to, you know, like kind of grow in an organic way where it's, you know, um sustainable and and moving forward and uh, I you know, I have so many things I want to ask you about. Um the one thing I saw on your website recently is that you're going to be offering social distancing learning opportunities for, for children. And we're, you know, we're in this really, you know, both our kids um, had to be homeschooled as we were, um, you know, locking down or shutting down for, for the COVID. And um, so I guess one of the big questions on our mind is, are they going to be going back to school in the fall and, or the guidelines that are being presented in relation to what might ensue if we go back to school in terms of kids not being able to play on the playground, they got to be six feet apart and all these different sort of guidelines that is, is difficult to stomach as a parent because you just can't imagine what that would be like. So what, what, what kind of solutions do you, do you think there are for us? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the, there, huh. so there's, so much that's still unknown or, um, you know, confusing out there um, in terms of what schools are going to do. I think we're going to learn a lot this summer um, from the camps that are opening up. We're going to open up our campus for um, what we're calling socially distanced summer camps. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have, with the 10,000 square feet, we have now the ability to create six wings Mm. Um, uh, uh, across our campus that each has its own entrance, air conditioner unit, and bathroom mm. um, with small groups. And, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at all of the pieces now. Wow. Um, and, you know, the kids will likely be wearing face shields and the coaches. And, you know, we're going to sort of see how this goes. I think that, you know, there's so much conflicting information out there. Um, but we're not out of the woods of this crisis by any means. Mm. Um, as far as what 
school will look like in the fall, I think that it's, it's going to be a big challenge. Um, I've been on calls with educators around the world, throughout the country, um, and, uh, and certainly in our area in Florida. Um, and there's, there's a lot of options on the table. Uh, first of all, you know, for a smaller program like ours, where we have 80 full-time students on our campus, we're obviously able to be a lot more agile. And, um, you know, when we went to distance learning on March 13th, um, we were able to very seamlessly transition our school program. So our kids followed essentially the same schedule. They were online with live teaching throughout the day. Um, we were able to offer as many one-on-one mm. coaching sessions as the student needed um, and were able to adjust curriculum for the few students who really were struggling with some of the transitions and um, technology because distance learning is not for everybody. And um, and you had actually earlier called it homeschooling, that you were homeschooling yeah. your kids. But I would, I would remind everybody that mm. distance learning and homeschool, as we did it for COVID, and yeah. homeschooling are actually not the same. Yeah. Um, so distance learning was pushed on everybody because out of necessity. Yeah. Um, and the students who have typically chosen distance learning through virtual programs have have bought into it they have decided to do that the families have chosen that yeah um and so there was a huge inequity in this moment for students who don't learn well in this way or families that couldn't support it um the space of mind is actually homeschooling our students but we do it in a social environment Mm. so we use the the um foundation of homeschooling to allow us to customize what we're doing to the student and we still follow the state standards and where our program is still college prep. Um, but it's all project based learning and it's not rooted in virtual curriculum. Um, so we're, we're really working with the students in a very individual and customized way. Obviously for the larger schools that were struggling with not having a plan, um, which most schools surprisingly didn't, um, it was it was a battle of you know how do you train the teachers to use technology they've never used yeah um, you know and there's a lot of uh, pieces to that you know teachers are used to being the experts in their knowledge field right so right. a teacher gets in front of the class and they get in front of that class with the confidence of knowing that they know what they're about to teach and um, you know at face of mind we call our educators coaches and there's a difference between a coaching approach and a teaching approach mm. um, because a, a coach sits beside. Um, oh. We are there. And in some cases, you know, we're, we're making ourselves vulnerable in the learning process alongside a student because mm. we're solving a problem they bring forth that we've never seen before. Right. Um, but a classroom teacher from a more traditional environment is not used to being vulnerable uh. in front of their students. And so that was that was a big um, paradigm shift for educators around the world to be learning on the fly how to do their job in a very different way. Yeah. Um, and also to have limitations as to how they could reach out to their students and when um, is also really hard. One of the things that's going to be very challenging in the fall is that when we went to distance learning this spring, we had you know three quarters of the year of relationships already under our belt. Ooh, that's so a good point. Yeah. The teachers knew their students. They knew the parents. They yep. knew, you know, the students knew their educators. When we come back in the fall, it's going to be brand new relationships. Uh-huh. So 
um, we're actually launching some software that will help um, to build those relationships using the assessment tools and coaching roadmaps that we create for our students wow. that we're hoping to help more educators and families around the country going back to school in the fall. Um, but that's going to be a challenge is that these are going to be brand new relationships and um, schools are looking at all kinds of options. They're looking at shifts, like having one shift of kids in the morning, another in the afternoon. They're looking at on days and off days where you're online at home a few days and on campus a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking at just straight up distance learning. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. as we continue this. And we still don't know what the the virus numbers will tell us. Right. Um, right. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But I think that, um, you know, there was a study that came out about a week or so ago that 40% of families are now looking at homeschooling for next mm-hmm. year. Right. Which is obviously great that's for peace of mind. Yeah. But that's a huge number. That's um, a huge shift. Yeah. So we're launching co-ops and franchises nationally now that um, can help families. Like a lot of families are, you know, saying, hey, we've got this family and this other family. We want to get our kids together and hire a teacher to homeschool them. Yeah. Um, so we're creating the basically a co-op out of the box. Wow. So we can provide um, curriculum and coaches for the families. Now, some parents might just want the curriculum and they'll do yeah. the, the schooling themselves and other families like that, you know, they would rather somebody else come in and do it. Yeah. So we're making those co-ops um, available nationally now. Um, and then franchising what we're doing as well so that educators and business investors can start a business that is primed to grow in a, yeah. a time like this, which is, um, you know, education right now is um, one of the most important industries that's realigning itself. But the reality is, is that, you know, the education system's been broken for decades. And you can't reorganize your pantry without emptying it. Yeah. Um, and so COVID did create an opportunity for schools to, um, to catch up to what we need to do for 21st century learning. Um, again, this, this comes down to the families that won't have as much choice as, you know, your family and yeah. others yeah. Um, that you know, the public school system needs to exist. I'm a huge believer in public school. I'm a product of public school. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the students and families who don't have the choice in this next year um, or, or who got left behind in this distance learning moment will definitely struggle um, mm. as the, the school system is working out these kinks. Um, but I really am optimistic that we're going to right now empower educators to be more progressive and more creative and more innovative and more collaborative most of all because we've we've had to throw out the rule book that's guided education for so long and now we're writing a new one it's exciting that is so awesome Allie. i mean i feel like even just personally um being a small business owner and and a yoga teacher that um or I guess I want to say I'm a yoga coach now and not a, and not a teacher (laughs) because I like that idea that you, that you shared with that, that um, I need to hear that sort of positive optimism because um, 
yeah, that's that's the beauty of being challenged and and then rising above. And so I, I'm really appreciative to hear that you're finding all these opportunities in the challenge and and coming up with solutions. So that's really awesome and inspiring. Um, you know, I know I'm really happy that you etched out. I know you have a busy schedule, so we have a half an hour together. And uh, I have another question for you. And yeah. um, I read this is going to combine two things so i know i'm opening up a big can here um (laughs) but (laughs) uh i saw a post that you shared a while back ago about how you were struggling with having have covid and like how challenging it was and what you went through in your own health experience and then i read a post today that was just so heartfelt i mean i almost kind of i i started to tear up when I read your post today about your experiencing experience of watching the protests that are happening. And, um, I just, uh, wanted to hear what you have to say about your current thoughts regarding your personal experience of, of going through having gotten sick and then now watching what's going on in, in, in our world. (laughs) Yeah, so that is a big can. That is a big um, can. So basically, ironically, I did catch COVID um, on a visit to the emergency room in early March. Um, it was right at the beginning of this crisis, and the ER was super crowded, and I was on a journey for seven hours or so in the ambulance admittance hallway. Mm. So um, I'm 100% sure that's where I got it. Nobody else that was around thought sick Mm. um luckily and i had quarantined myself before i was able to infect anybody else um but uh i was sick for six weeks it was horrible um i was working through that obviously we had to you know pivot and take my company online and um support my team and you know move up our expansion plans we were already planning to franchise and and expand in this way, but it was a pretty busy time. So I was Mm. working about 18 hour days while suffering all of the symptoms. Um, I think that working probably helped take my mind off of how sick I was feeling and the anxiety that came with it. Um, but it also probably lengthened the time that I was sick Uh. because it was a solid six weeks that I was pretty, uh, pretty down. Um, the, there were a lot of challenges, um, you know, a few nights that I was pretty scared that I might need it, might have needed to go to the hospital. Um, uh, you know, my, my head got away from me a couple of times too, because your brain goes in all kinds of places. Yeah. You know, everything they say about the symptoms not being the same every day is, is pretty true. There were some days where I would feel really good and then get optimistic. And then the next day I was like, you know, back, you know, in bed and, and feeling awful. Yeah. Um, so it, the virus is no joke. Um, the, the truth is, though, that most people who get it get sick like me, but don't die. Yeah. Um, the, the, the lockdown was created so that we wouldn't, um, we would, first of all, get an understanding of what this virus is going to do and also that we wouldn't overrun the healthcare system. Yeah. Um, the, you know, I own a business, so obviously getting the PPP money was important for me um, at a time where families were were kind of putting the pause on enrollment. Yeah. Um, 
And so in looking at how businesses have to use that PPP money in order to um, retain the forgiveness, there, there was a reason that we had to start opening back up. Um, yeah. Also, because we are opening for kids this summer on our campus because there's a, there's a balance that needs to be struck between um, risk mitigation for the virus and risk mitigation for mental health. Yeah. And this is a long stretch for kids to go without peer interaction. Um, And the silver lining is that, you know, this is a generation that thought that, you know, technology could um, take the place of in-person interaction, but now they're craving to be in the same room with their peers. So I think that, you know, there's so much good that's going to come out of this if we keep focusing on that. the, the flip side is, is that as a country, to answer sort of the second part of your question, as a country, I think we're exhausted, we're confused, we're scared. And I'm always reminded in business to, to not make decisions from a place of weakness or fear. And I think as a country, we are doing that. We are making our most important decisions right now out of, out of fear and, yeah. and weakness. And, so those things don't usually lead us to a positive result directly. We'll get there indirectly, but with some, unfortunately, collateral damage. Um, I think the poster referring to that I put up last night, I, you know, I live in downtown Delray, and I was at the, the vigil that was very peaceful um, at Veterans Park on Saturday night. Um, and I'm a lifelong activist. I've participated in all kinds of active, activism on a global scale, national scale local um and uh, have always been the mouthpiece of my friends and uh-huh. um and uh sitting at that vigil on saturday night i sat back i you know i wasn't sure what to expect and um and then last night boca raton had um shut down half the city early because of fear of you know th- these riots and everything and um and you know i had been at my sister's house in boca and we were watching the live feed of what was of the people gathering at the site um and it was a lot of characters that didn't seem to align with my with my activism and and Mm. my mission to stomp out racism and and create equality and equity um but then i when i left my sisters i decided to drive past and see for myself not just the small glimpse of what was on this guy's live feed who was who was um, broadcasting from there but just to see for myself and I saw as I drove past those few characters that made the live feed were still on the street corner like loafing around Mm -hmm. really not um, being productive at all and then a couple blocks down the road was about 150 to 200 very peaceful um, protesters who were marching up Blades Road and doing exactly the kind of, um, you know, peaceful protests that I've participated in in various ways mm-hmm. throughout my life. And I found myself, um, when I was at my sister's, we were sort of mocking the people that we saw on the video. Like right. these people are, you know, they don't, they're not speaking to the cause. They certainly weren't speaking to us. Yeah. And then when I was driving by, I got, um, I was driving slowly by because I kept hoping I might see one of my students or yeah. somebody that I knew. And I felt a pang of guilt that I wasn't marching alongside them. So mm. I think what, what, you know, this country, this country was founded on 
some non-peaceful, but mostly, you know, peaceful protests. And our democracy allows us um, to to speak out in numbers when we think there's injustices being done. And um, one of the most dangerous things that um, I'm I'm I think we're all seeing right now is that we're being made to be afraid of gathering voices to um, to demand social justice. And mm. I'm hopeful that um, that this is just a fleeting moment and we yeah. can we can look through to the other side of this yes. because obviously racism is something that, you know, most people would agree needs to end. Um, but a lot of people are, are staying home in this moment because of COVID and because we're afraid of, of you know, looters and rioters. And, um, and from what I saw in the two protests, um, I didn't see any of that. I saw people that were yeah. gathering for the right reason. That's right. I hear you, Ali. I, 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 um, I know it's such an interesting time and I feel similar, uh, just different feelings about one thing that you mentioned in terms of our age group, you know, like the, the folks that are between thirties and fifties that are, you know, feeling like we, we would like to be involved in peaceful demonstration, but are also feeling this sense of like, let's stay home and be safe, like with our kids and make sure that right. our family unit is, is taken care of. And, um, it's been such an interesting, uh, last couple of months. And I really agree with you. Like, like, I really hope that this is just a, a really tense and difficult moment and that will somehow come together again as a strong, you know, country and a strong global population where we'll 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 meet eye to eye and um you know support each other so i i agree yeah. and, um, i think there's a really cool african proverb that sort of goes along and might be a good culminating quote for this chat but um it says the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth mm. and um I just think that, you know, we know that it takes a village to raise a child, right? We know it takes a team of people investing in a student's success, investing in a family's success. And those who don't feel connected to a village are going to do whatever is necessary to find that. And Mm. sometimes we look in the wrong ways. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to hold on to all the optimism and see how we can continue solving problems in this moment. And that, that quote really speaks to me. That was perfect, Ali. That makes me, makes me think I, I need to reach out to people a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> right. And all your spare time in between putting your kids through school, running your business, doing your podcast and being a dad and a husband. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> that's that's the important work to do, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. It totally is. But we do. We need to be, you know, looking out for each other and taking care of each other and taking care of the people who don't feel that they're worthy of being taken care of or yeah. that people aren't paying attention yeah. to. And and yeah. that's that's what community is, right? So yeah. you know. Well, Ali, that that pretty much um I think that is the perfect way to put it. And I'm really glad that you added that proverb in because uh, that was a nice perspective shift to uh, 
to hear at the end of our session together to <laughs> for me to be able to say thank you and thank you for taking time with us and i i'm so excited to um continue to ha have the opportunity to interact and talk with you and and uh, get inspired by your vision for for helping children and keeping education moving in a really positive direction and and looking out for people that need assistance and help that are often overlooked and that's something I really admire about you and and um just really thankful to have you as my friend and and Tamara said to say a big hello and that she loves you and misses you and I uh, can't wait to see you again well that is a big ditto back for me I think <laughs> you guys are amazing what you've created and um, and we're just well overdue for some hang time <laughs> I, I agree soon uh it's coming soon it's coming soon <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you for having me. This was really a pleasure. Thank you, Allie. Have a wonderful day. We'll, we'll catch up soon. All right. Sounds All right. good. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Native Yoga Toddcast. We really appreciate it and we hope you enjoyed. Remember that if you'd like to learn more about upcoming classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and our online yoga studio, all of which you can access at nativeyogacenter.com. Your support is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day.